All right, BradCooney.com would like to welcome to the show singer, songwriter, and producer Mastakai. What is up? How you doing, Brad? What's going on? Nice to speak to you. Nice to I'm you. good, man. We chatted a little bit before we went live on the on the on the air here, and you were telling me about your. Uh, you came across. Uh, well, actually, were you born in Afghanistan? Did you? Did you? Were no. you born there at all, or no? No, no, no. I was okay. born in England, so it's my heritage. That's Afghan. My mom and my father. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I was. I was actually born in England and raised in England. And you probably hear from the accent. And then I moved to America about ten years ago, a little ten years ago. And you were East Coast first, and then you just recently traversed across country to Cali. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in the mountains of California right now, a very peaceful, quiet place with some birds, sunshine. I'm yeah. three hours behind you, I think, or two hours, or where I'm not sure what, what time zone you're on, but I think I'm behind you. Yeah, you're two hours behind me. I, I used to live in California. Um, nice. I lived in Goleta, California, which is just north of Santa Barbara. That's right. Okay, I'm heading up there probably sometime soon. I make little uh, trips in my van on the weekend, and I uh, camp out and... Uh, Check out nice. places while I'm here. So, yeah. That's what's up. Nice to, be, nice to be in the sun for any person born and raised in England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. England, England's kind of like Seattle. You know, England has very similar weather to like the, the American Northwest, like in Seattle up in Washington. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Well, you know what's crazy? I did live on the East Coast, as I said, but I was very, very blessed to live for two years in Hawaii, which ah. what. Yeah, which is what got the whole West Coast bug in me. I eventually yeah. don't want to go back there, of course. But I'll never forget one day after living in Hawaii for about a year or two years and really getting the whole beach vibe, island thing and everything. And then I was in the airport one day and I saw just a bunch of guys sitting, you know, for the gate when they're about to leave. Yeah. And, um, and it was a bunch of faces that just looked really pale and really unhappy and kind of like not smiling, kind of miserable, basically. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, that just reminds me of England. <laughs> and then I looked at the flight and it was Seattle. And I'm like, oh, these are all Northwest dudes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pale faces, yep. not smiling too much. <laughs> it's really, it's, 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 it's a pretty striking comparison. It's very similar as far as the, uh, the weather goes. Right. Uh, all right. So before we um, before we get into your your latest EP and your and your latest yeah. singles, let's tell the listeners a little bit about you. Um, how old were you when you first got into music? How did it all start for you? You know, man, oh, that's a great question. I started early. Uh, my father, this EP is kind of um, dedicated to. Uh, this thing started with my dad's tape collection and his vinyl collection. I was about what um, I guess maybe fourteen and. My dad, like I said, had a lot of tapes. He had a lot of Afghan traditional folk music, which is string kind of instruments and people singing in, um, in you know, our language. And then he also had a lot of classical stuff, like mm -hmm. Beethoven, Mozart. He was really into the whole classical stuff, Bach and all that. So what I used to do, and I was also getting into hip-hop at that time, of course. So, um, in fact, I didn't say, of course, there was no one really in my hometown who was into hip-hop except my brother and I. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would what I would do was I had a bunch of sort of early CDs and like, I don't know what it was, like Warren G, NWA, a lot of West Coast stuff and some, um, you know, uh, early Wu-Tang, stuff like that, 93, 92, going back. Um, so I had a lot of that early stuff. And what I would do was, we had, my dad had a hi-fi system and whenever there was a little drum beat that was just a drum beat on its own, I would play that through the CD or through the vinyl, I would record it and then I would press pause on the tape player because I was recording on the tape player. Press pause after like two or three seconds but then I would rewind do it again, rewind, do it again. And I would do like four or five minutes of that. And then I would mix 
that I would mix in like Afghan music from a tape or a CD and record it over that to another tape. So that was like early sampling before the wow. computer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard since that time a few people started that way, but that's exactly how I started when there was like no computers. That's how I sampled. So it was a pretty uh, trippy thing. So yeah, from 16 pretty much, but then my first serious stuff, I guess, and my first release came out in 2004 when I was like, you know, early 20s. So yeah, I've been doing it for a while, quite a while. So were you um, into music in high school? Were you part of the music group or the, take music in school? And when did it transition? Like when did you really transition from, you know, yeah. messing around with it to actually getting the recording studios and actually like recording music? Well, I mean, it's funny because I'm, I'm one of those kids, I would say, or souls maybe, who was always creating something and I always took my creativity seriously. So. You know, my mom and dad, or my dad, I remember once when I was like five years old, was looking at me from the kitchen and he was like laughing and I didn't even know he was there. And the whole family was gathering around watching me talk and make all these characters talk <laughs> and stuff. So I've, I've always been very serious about like storytelling and yeah. whatever it is. So so I, I kind of, I, I was doing that even when I was 16 and I was messing around, as I said, with the tape players and everything. I was always playing it to people. I was like, listen to this, check this out. And I was also playing different music to people at school. Uh, whether it was like Mob Deep, whether it was De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest, early stuff, a lot of hip hop, and uh, Marvin Gaye I used to love a lot, of course, uh, mm. Michael Jackson and all that stuff. Oh, I was yeah. into it. So I took it seriously and I took myself, I wouldn't say I took myself seriously, but I took what I created seriously. So whenever I made something, I could sense that there was something special because I was in a special place when it, when it kind of came to me. You know, I was always like, so I had that kind of feeling for the music or for the music that came through me i would say kind of came through me um and so yeah i was i don't know when the strict line of when i got serious serious quote unquote was i guess like i said maybe when i put my first release out maybe when i did my first mm -hmm. live show which was a big deal when i was like 21 i'm very nervous and there was yes. this, yeah there was all these dudes from london who were like dance hall stuff and they came up on stage and they were like the main act and i was just this opening supporting guy i was like 19 years old really nervous and i remember they came up to me afterwards and they were all in there adidas they looked so cool and they were coming up to me like they were like caribbean guys you know like yeah so cool they were like yeah good man respect respect and they were nice. like, love and, and i was like okay okay i made it i guess i'm okay yeah. so after that yeah just doing more gigs getting out there more um, but yeah, I've always just been doing my own thing, and so it's like a journey of me. Yeah. It's like I'm not really in competition with anyone else. It's just deepening my own sound, deepening what I like to do. Obviously, given with all the influences that I have. You know, I'm, I'm guessing that that um, you know, just the kudos of this, the this, the the the, the attaboys you got from them from from them Caribbean guys really must have boosted your confidence. You know? Yeah. Well, you know when starting out, it's. It's a lot because yeah. you know I often I often forget this because I, like I said, I, I'm kind of I don't know if confident is the word, but I'm very focused and I kind of know what I'm doing. But there were a couple of moments back there where I was very young and I didn't have any track record, and it's true. Um, there was a couple of things like that that happened. There was also a couple of people that weren't so nice too, and they said nasty stuff, and I kind of like right. I remember that. You remember that too, you know? You remember all the stuff when you're starting out but yeah, um, man. but you know what though sometimes yeah. those sometimes the critics and actually the the you know if you want to call them haters or whatever you want to call them that's right. actually just as beneficial sometimes because it just it just gives you fuel to inspire to be oh, totally. you know what i mean so you just got to flip I it on them it. yep yeah i love it I, it's all good to me you know what i mean like i'm a very positive guy generally when i do my music you can't really make music if you're 
I mean, negative, you kind of can. You can transform negative feelings into, into beautiful music. I've done that a lot. But generally, you can't be, <laughs> like, bitter and stuff the whole time. But, yeah, right. like, little moments. I always related a lot to Michael Jordan so much. Um, this is before the whole Last Dance documentary came out, and they made a whole meme of him saying, like, I took it personally. But I used to watch Michael Jordan and the Bulls from England on, like, a five-hour oh, wow. difference. I, I used to stay up till five or six in the morning watching the finals, the Bulls games. Yeah. In the night. <laughs> I was really into basketball. So, um, you know, the, the mentality that he had back then, I would always have that same mentality in hip-hop. So if there was a young guy, like, uh, there's a dude, actually, who's came out at the same time as me. He actually became pretty big. His name's uh, Riz Ahmed. He's now an actor, I think, and he's been in the Star Wars films, but he started off as an MC in London. And so me and him um, came out at the same time and, you know, said some nice things about my album and it was cool. And, but in my head, you know, as a competition kind of thing, there's always this thing like, yeah, I'm going to one-up this dude, I'm going to one-up that dude. Whoever it is at the time, you know, sometimes a lot of these guys have fallen off, most of them have fallen off. One or two of them were still around making music, but most of them kind of fell off. But it's just like a little mini, silly little fuel that you add to the fire, and you kind Absolutely. of forget about it once it's gone, you know? I'm a New York Knicks fan, so I despise, <laughs> detest the Chicago Bulls. But I have oh, mad respect. But I tell you what, I still have nightmares of Scottie Pippen, Michael oh, Jordan, man. Horace Grant. I remember them cats. Believe me, they're yeah. they're burned in my brain forever. But, hey. Forever. Man, but mad respect. mutual, man. I remember those Knicks teams. I had so much respect for him. I loved Anthony Mason. He was so oh, tough. you know, he was so tough. He passed away. You know that, right? He yeah, died. Yeah, that's I crazy. Know. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm about to say a prayer in my language. I always say that when someone passes away. He was such a cool guy, man. And he was just very serious. That's what I liked about him. Oh yeah, um, he's a big guy, know, man. You don't see many people with that physique in the, in the league anymore. No, not at all. There yeah, was him changed. and there was Larry John. I, I was rooting for the Knicks that year when they went to the finals. Yeah, so I, they had Alan Houston. They had uh, Larry Johnson and all that. But I will tell you this, go on YouTube and search for when John Starks dunked on Michael Jordan. I'll never forget that play, <laughs> ever. That was one, that was one time. It didn't Just happen. say, yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it was lightning in a bottle, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, what, a cool, what a cool dude. Yeah, yeah man, for sure. Legends. All right, let's get back on you. So before we get into your music, I want to I wanna tell my listeners what, what your stage main means. Mastakai, what's yeah. that mean? Mastakai, well, it's not, it's not my real name. My real name is Yusuf Mistak. Yeah, it's um, your stage name. So, yeah, and you'll see that my last name, M-I-S-D-A-Q, Mistak, is very similar or slightly similar to Mastakai. Mm -hmm. So what it is, my dad, who was an anthropologist studying in the 1970s, way back before I was born, um, he looked into his family trees, line, uh, like uh, genealogy, lineage, and he went back, he went really far back, and he found out basically where he's from on his side, on, because in Afghanistan, that whole society is it's tribal, and you mm -hmm. can basically, you can, you can know where you came from if you do enough research, basically. So he did a lot of research, and uh, I found that out. Unfortunately, he passed last year, and oh, I found all these. Sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you, man. Um, I, I found all these documents that I'd never seen before like research that he had done, mm. uh, research papers that he had written about, like all kinds of interesting stuff. I mean, it was just crazy and it was really beautiful for me to read because it was like getting in touch with a deeper side of, you know, who I am really. And mm -hmm. so that was the name of our tribe, I guess, way nice. back when, which evolved into my present day last name. <clears throat> um, but it, orig it originally was this tribe out in, uh, in a certain district in Afghanistan and they were known for being very, very joyful musical, dancing a lot, wow. and kind of like euphoric, you know, like very happy people. So 
it's it kind of fit and I liked it and I was just like well it's kind of like a this is kind of like a fresh start I guess like how Rizzo kind of did his Bobby Digital thing mm-hmm. but artists sometimes will do that reinvent themselves and I used to call myself Yoshi for like four or five six albums I was Yoshi and it was always bringing out the happier side of me and the sort of younger side of me and I used to like anime and sampling a lot of anime so Yoshi kind of fit me for a long time but now Mastikai is more about getting in touch with my roots, getting in touch with the roots of my culture, my music, uh, all that stuff, and different kind of mentality too. So mm-hmm. it's a whole different flavor, really different vibe. Kind of cool that like your your bloodline is uh, notorious for music and dancing and being joyful, oh, and like you yeah, have amazing. and you have your your passion for music. So it's like. That it's like that hereditary thing, you know. It's like genetics. It's brilliant, and you know, my my actually, my dad had told me a story from when he was a kid because he was he ended up becoming a very notable, uh, you know, scholar and everything, and he was working for the government before he passed in Afghanistan. So he was a pretty well-known guy in his field, in the media field, and in anthropology before that. But mm. when he was very very young, you know, his um, his dad had passed, and his brother was raising him, and he came home one day with. Uh, an instrument called the rubab, which is a very famous instrument from Afghanistan. It's actually the instrument that became the sitar in India. So this is oh, cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, the sitar, like, yep. you know, Ravi Shankar, George Harrison, all that. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is the instrument that kind of, um, that was the father of the sitar. So it's a very old instrument. He came home with that, and it's still played in Afghanistan to this day. So he came home, and he was like, I'm going to be a musician. He was all happy. He's like six years old. And his big brother, who was kind of like his... Um, kind of raising him at the time and he chased him around the house snatched the instrument and he was like it's very sad he was like you know you know people music is not a respected tradition you're not going to do that you're going to become this you're going to become that you're going to do all this other stuff so you know it was in my dad and like i said my whole music started from sampling stuff from his music collection because he was crazy about music like whenever we were driving in the car as kids he would be like listen listen to this listen to this and he would get so excited just like i did you know when I was getting into hip hop and, and you know R and B years later, so I mean, yeah, it is it is pretty beautiful when you see that certain things are kind of in your family. Yeah. And some generations they get to manifest, and in other generations maybe they don't, but it's it's kind of there, right? Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. Okay, so um, you have an EP out now. Again, let's 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 make sure I got the pronunciation correct. Is it is it Zyara? Yeah, Z- it's pronounced Z- Ziara, I guess. Z, like Z or I, is it long or short? Z- uh, Ziara, Ziara. Ziara, gotcha. Yeah, so the EP is called Ziara, and if, and if I read it right, there's three songs on it. That's um, right, just three tracks, pretty short. But I want to talk about, before we touch on that, because what I read got my interest, is, is yeah. this this EP was written specifically for, for Afghans, uh, which yeah. I thought was cool, man. I think that's interesting. I, I, I get it. I understand why. But tell my listeners what the thought process was behind that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was basically, it was, I say written. I mean, you know, my music is something that is like, I kind of touched on it earlier. From the very beginning till today, it's something that I kind of channel. And I, I don't want to sound too pretentious or, you know, like some kind of spiritual guy or something. But it's something that really does come through me. So when I say I wrote it for Afghanistan, what I kind of really mean is I really intended it for, the, for my peoples. Like, I really put my heart in that direction when I was yeah, recording, when I was singing. So it's not so much that the lyrics maybe are like, dear Afghan people, you know, it's not really that obvious, but it's more just like this was the intention to sort of 
reach them, to affect them, because there's so much stuff that's happening right. in the country. Yeah, that happened actually right after my father passed. As soon as he passed, it all happened. Actually, his, after his birthday, the Taliban just literally came in one day after his birthday. Oh. So it's pretty, uh, it was pretty symbolic for me. And I'm like, there's not really much I can do um, physically. And a lot of people, Afghans in America, are doing you know, a lot of great work, doing what they can, welcome the refugees and so on and so forth who had to escape, which is great but for me i had this kind of turning point where i was like this is really no longer about just you know giving money and supporting charities in the traditional way because i've been doing that most of my life and there's nothing wrong with that but for me i was like no nah, there, there has to be something deeper there has to be something mm -hmm. more powerful than just you know here's some money let's do a gofundme let's you know welcome refugees at the airport i've done all that stuff for like 10 years i've been doing it so it's like you know, let me do something really, really different. So my intention was the music and also just the energy of the music to open something, you know, and I'm still kind of waiting to see them. So I've had certain things that have come back to me since I've written, uh, since I put it out, like letters that people have written to me. But, you know, it's, it's still something that is kind of opening for me. So it's a little bit mysterious and mystical, but, yeah, that's that's the intention behind it, to sort of so. reach them somehow, yeah, liberate liberate my people in whichever way it can. Do that. Yeah, I think it's fantastic that you're doing that. Uh, thank um, you, man. I, I really yeah. do. I think it's something that's heartfelt. It's something, you know, like money's great. Money, money, money doesn't do everything. though. money doesn't hit the heart. Um, no, man. Um, no, and, this, and these people, you know, what's really shitty? Part of my language, but so, yeah, so yeah. shitty about that situation is is. And look, I, I, I'm I'm not by any stretch saying America's perfect because America's got some issues no. too. But that being no. said, the Afghans. For like twenty years, had some freedoms. You know what I mean? Like they, they did. Women they got to, did, yeah. women got to go to school and, and and be teachers. And for that to be taken back away from them really gutted me, man. When that happened. Yeah. So. Well, it's beautiful for me to hear that because I think uh, probably a lot of Americans felt that way, but I haven't heard it that much from people. Cause it was such a traumatic yeah. thing when it happened, and the way that it happened, that yeah. I didn't really want to speak to anyone. I was right. kind of mad, you know, and sure. upset the way that it happened. So I wasn't trying to reach out to Americans. Because, you, you know, to be honest with you, just to be really real with you, you hear a lot of that, and it's, sometimes it could be like an echo chamber where you kind of hear it a lot, like, oh, these poor people suffering, and yeah. like, I don't want to hear that from anyone sometimes, you know? And I think a, probably a lot of people felt that way. But it is beautiful to hear that because it's true. And to be quite honest with you, you know, I wasn't in favor when they first went in after, like, you know, way back when. Because right. you, never want any, you never want anyone else to come into your Yeah, of course. That's, that's, that's natural. natural. Yeah, of course. But... But having said that, like when they were there, you're right. And it's, I was actually listening to this great musician just a few days, a few days ago. Um, I saw it on YouTube. It was, it was a while back. It was probably recorded like 10 years ago or something. Just a folk musician. He was singing this amazing song. It was like an Afghan Bob Dylan sitting there with his rubab and, and he's singing about like the people who are coming to occupy and oppress his country. And he literally doesn't mention America. He mentions the Russians, the English, which is from way back. He mentions the Arabs now, meaning the extremists who are mm -hmm. coming in from Saudi Arabia. He didn't actually mention Americans. And it's wow. like, it's funny because it's like you said, a lot of people, I was there in 2018 or 2019. And a lot of people have this thing with America where it's like, you know, no one, again, no one is in favor of anyone coming into anyone else's country, but Americans did do a lot of positive things while they were there. Um, they didn't do everything perfect, absolutely, but they did a lot of positive things. So it's, yeah, the way that it ended up was, was pretty crappy, but hey, you know, yeah, it happens. It, it is. Happens. It's one of those you know, it's, crazy it's, things are happening right now. So. It's really a, it's yeah. a bittersweet situation. It's really a bittersweet. 
yeah. America had, you know, they, there were some good intentions, and then, then they provided like two decades of some freedoms. Um, and yeah. what's, what's really just guts me is the fact that, you know, kids like had a taste of it, of, of some yeah. freedoms, you know what I mean? And then, and then I would almost rather not see it ever than have it for a little while and then get it ripped away. You, well, there you go. There's an old, uh, there's an old song actually in England, I think it's better to have loved. Uh, and lost, uh, better not to have loved or lost than to have never loved us all, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That. Yeah, but exactly. yeah, when you lose something, but you know, the, it's a weird situation. I really think, in terms of talking about energy, I really think there is an interesting relationship with America and Afghanistan, and I see it happening. Some of my sort of friends who are a little bit more energy and spiritual minded have talked about it too, where, you know, there is some sort of weird karma thing happening where there's an equality, equalization that's happening in the world right now, where we used to look down at these countries as being developing third world nations. Uh, I say we, like, I mean, the majority of America and England mm -hmm. and places. And I think, you know, with COVID now, with a lot of the instability, with the political kind of instability, with how, uh, how against everyone, uh, how like polarized America has become even, and this is me kind of as an observer here. I mean, it's, it seems to be that, you know, we're all kind of equally, getting screwed at them at the moment and it's very important <laughs> good point. yeah that we yeah that we kind of look out for each other as a global community and yeah. that's that's really i think what uh, is another really important thing that's that's kind of coming out and coming through is that you know we need to start we need to we, we've always said it it used to be this thing that hippies kind of would say in the 70s maybe in san francisco or something singing about like hey we're all one or whatever but now it's getting to the point where i feel like it's going to have actual consequences if we don't start actually really acting like we're all connected yeah. and so again yeah, man. music is hopefully a part of that too because there's some songs that are in english and that that was intentional too very so well said cool. man very well said i agree wholeheartedly man right. um Thanks. all right so ziara the the ep i heard one song they sent me called radiating right, um, right. that's the last track yeah uh, look man i when i first heard it, i wasn't sure what to make of it um, but then, then it grew on me really fast. I mean, and I love, I really love the part where you kind of rap narrate. Do you know right, what I mean? You right. can tell that story. Yeah, it's like it's that's my that's my hip hop self. That's I love that man. I thought that was terrific. So tell tell the listeners out there a little bit about that song, the backstory, and the other, and then touch on the other couple songs that's on the EP. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that track, I don't know, man. That was the last track on the EP that I added. Um, you see the cover. That image is just this boy who looks like he's kind of floating. I feel like it's a kind of like a mystical version of that Nirvana album cover. Never mind. Kind of reminds me mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. My brother is yeah. My brother is a visual artist, and he actually came up with that. Oh, image nice. After. Good job. Yeah. And he, yeah, it is nice, right? And he came up with it after hearing the first two tracks. So he didn't hear Radiating, the final track. Mm. And as soon as he sent me that artwork, I'm like, I need to add this other track that I'm working nice. on because it's got this underwater kind of vibe to it, which mm. is what Radiating has. It's got this oceanic underwater kind of feeling, and it's also kind of i don't know it's kind of hard to describe i feel like if people hear the lyrics and really pay attention to the lyrics they might think that i'm super depressed or suicidal or something but actually it's kind of like in the face of all the chaos that we're talking about that's happening in the world it's kind of like let me just not fight against it which doesn't which doesn't quite mean i'm giving up and i'm not going to do, do anything but it also means let me not get so wrapped up let me not get so um depressed or sad or like mm -hmm. beaten down let me just submit and accept and so that's kind of what the track is it has this kind of weird somber kind of release kind of feeling to it and that was the vibe the lyrics you know just came how they came 
I never really understand my own lyrics. Sometimes years later, I listen to them and I'm like, oh, damn, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but <laughs> for right now, I could just tell you that, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a magical song. And I just, I'm very happy with the fact that it has whales in it because I've always loved whales ever since I was yeah. a kid. I'm big, big into nature and stuff. And I love Me that too. whale song. And it never, you know, it's always been in the back of my head, like, oh, I love the way the whales sound. But it never came to me to put whales in a track. And so, mm -hmm. for some reason on this track, I'm like, yeah, whales are coming on this track. So that's what happened. I rap in and then there's whales singing. And like, I love it. I just start happening. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big whale guy, too. I, I like, I like, yeah. um, well, I, honestly, this is going to sound weird to you because I'm a firm believer in UAPs and I believe UFOs are real. And I think right. that um, yeah. I think that whales probably know about UAPs before humans do. I mean, wow. I mean, there's a lot of I, I'm, I'm a Navy guy. I served the country in the Navy oh, and, wow. and saw some beautiful. strange things in the sky. I don't mean to get off. We'll get back on your on your stuff in a second. No, no. But I've seen cool. some strange UAPs, and I used to, I actually tracked a few of them on radar too at crazy speeds. This is back yeah. in the '80s, man. And and some of those UAPs are seen by like like fighter pilots that actually submerse under the ocean, and oh I just you know whales are very very intelligent creatures. There's something there's something very mysterious about them, intelligent. Yeah, uh, like I, said, I lived in Hawaii for a while, so I used to go out to this specific place um, called Kaena Point, I think, and I would just watch the whales sometimes from a distance, and yeah. it was something something else, man. They're they're very majestic and uh, perfect word. I don't know. We actually, yeah. when my ship, when we were in the North Atlantic, this is back in 80, 1987, if I remember right. But we were, wow. we were, we were not too far off the the Norwegian coast. We, we were going into into Tromsø, Norway. But I remember my my captain of the ship. Actually, we went to all stop because because this this whale crossed right in front of our ship, and we actually had to go to all stop. We we totally gave the right away to to the whale. And I got to run outside to the O1 level, and I actually got to watch that thing. Like, I mean, it was maybe 30, 40 yards away from me. It was an amazing, oh like, gosh. took my breath away. Honestly, it was amazing to watch that whale. Yeah. That Did you see its eye by any chance? Didn't see its eye, it? but I seen him blow the water up out of those out of his right, hole, though. Right, right. I see yeah. that too. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> it's man. Amazing. It's just amazing. But all right, so so you got two more songs. Let's touch on those other two songs. Yeah. So Ziara is the title track. That was actually the first one that I made, and it's yeah. the first track on the EP. It's very. It's the only one that's kind of up tempo and a little bit aggressive sounding. Oh, I don't know. It sounds aggressive, but it's very, very um, upbeat and um, kind of, you know, hard, I would call it a hard kind of beat. And, um, yeah, that was really, I did that in the time signature, which is that I'm always a 4-4 uh, kind of regular time signature guy, Western Western time signature. Um, and then for that track, I changed it to 7-8, which probably doesn't mean much to most people. But if you think of a beat... does to like, me. I, I took music theory in college, so I know where you're at. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So seven, eight basically hits different. It's a different vibe. It's it, different it is. Energy. It's a very rare time signature. It's not used that much. I think you might hear it in Afghanistan. You probably hear it in um, in some African music. So it's not that common. Um, and you know, to a lot of people, they may not even notice it. But it, it, it's one of those things that I think is subliminal. Like people feel it whether they don't realize it or not. So. Yeah, it's got a different time signature, and that's the first track that I ever did in uh, Farsi, which is my language that I speak. Oh, um, cool. My, my mother's side, yeah, it's like um, mother's tongue, mother's tongue kind of thing. So, yeah, that's that's that, and it's kind of a trip, man. It's like, I feel like Ziara in Arabic actually means uh, kind of like a journey, like a spiritual pilgrimage mm. or something. So you can make a Ziara for many different reasons, but like basically it means a deep spiritual journey. And... Um, so that's that, and then the track itself starts off, like I said, pretty hard, and then it goes into this really trippy kind of open, 
ambient music and I'm kind of doing spoken word kind of hip hop. Uh, someone just told me that I sound like uh, Killer Priest from the, the Wu-Tang, which as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh yeah, damn, I do. But hey, that's okay. That's a pretty uh, nice compliment too, actually. <laughs> it's a compliment because I love that dude. Yeah. I haven't, you know, I used to listen to him a lot when, like in the early 90s. So yeah, so there's that. And then the second track is called Wazgul, which is uh, kind of, um, I call it, and a slowly opening flower is what I always describe it as, uh, because uh, the word was means like open, gul means like flower. Uh, it's a pretty personal song, and it's uh, it's kind of like a goodbye kind of song. And I think that on the surface it could be goodbye to someone you love, but I think on the deeper way that I look at it, especially when I hear some of the lyrics now, I'm like, it's kind of a goodbye from me to my dad who passed away. It's also a goodbye from me to the country that I knew because. It's a completely different country right now in Afghanistan, yeah. so I'm kind of saying good, in a in a weird way, kind of saying goodbye, but also we're always going to be together. It's it's kind of a comfort thing, a bittersweet kind of track, and the music is just. I was really really in a in a certain kind of place, I guess, emotionally when it when I recorded it. So the music, I think, it comes through. It's very much like uh, you can kind of hear it developing. It's kind of like feeling clouds passing by you, you know, and watching the sun come out behind the clouds. Mm -hmm. It's got this certain kind of vibe to it. Again, kind of underwaterish kind of vibe, which is kind of the theme, I think, on the album, so, or on the EP. So, yeah, I, I think you'd probably have to hear it to fully get what I'm talking about, but hopefully that <laughs> conveys a little bit of the vibe. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm, I'm yeah. actually going to listen to all of them. Uh, oh man, nice! Yeah, for sure. It. I'm going to support you. 100%. I'm actually going to send. I'm actually going to send you a free copy of it. You just got to give me an email because I have. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, we'll do that as soon as we wrap up. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Or whatever. So, yeah, 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 very cool. Um, do you have a video for any of these songs? Any videos? Yeah, the first two have videos. Nice. Um, Ziara has a video on YouTube. You can just type in Master Kai Ziara. Uh, and then the second video was Ghoul has a really cool video. And that video is, people laugh at me because I always have this, I'm always coming up with the, you know, crazy new ideas. This video, um, for was Ghoul, the second track, it's, it's on my band camp too. You can see the video there or on YouTube. It's a video that I designed not to be watched. I'm saying it again, a video that you don't have to watch. So okay. <laughs> the whole point of it really for me is that it's a very much like a vibe video. It matches the song. It's got that kind of blue underwaterish vibe. It's got this flowy vibe to it. But I want people to, when they listen to it, it's kind of what I do sometimes when I really like music. I close my eyes and I just kind of go into the music. And then sometimes I'll open them again during a music video if I really like the song I just close my eyes and then I open them up again and I'm like whoa what's this and it's kind of like a surprise so I kind of made the video to accommodate a kind of like that kind of, that kind of experience yeah, or way of experiencing music where you can kind of really take yourself somewhere else with it come back to it whenever you want and then do whatever you want after that you know go deeper again or or stay with it so yeah it's a unique music video <laughs> I like that man the video that you don't, you don't watch you just gotta like feel it Basically, you feel it. Exactly, that's what it is. At the yeah. end of the day, if you're not feeling it, I mean, there's so much True, music man. that is. There's so much music that is very clever right now. There's a lot of well, very well produced music that sounds very slick. But you know, I like to think that what I do is you know, a little bit different from everything else. So. Yep. It's all about connecting, man. When you, when you write songs, the two things: if you can connect with people, and you can write songs that people can relate to, that you're 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 off on the right. They're on the right foot. Oh. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's a challenge for me because I'm a very weird dude, but I love it when I can connect because it's the best. But you know what? There's a lot of weirdos. There's a lot of weirdos out there. <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean that in the best of way. Because you say to yourself, like, hey, if I'm as, you know, as different as I am from most people, and I think I pretty much am, 
And if I can relate to people, and I do, people who feel who hear my music, you know, pretty much always feel it, and I always get so many nice comments, yeah. and feedback, or whatever, then hey, then anything is possible, right? That anybody can connect to anybody if uh, yeah, it's fun. That's true. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, so um, a couple more things, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so talk about this online project you have for 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 Afghan boys and girls. Yeah, so this is something that I'm developing right now. I've been um, working on it for a while, and uh, I'm still I'm kind of hesitant to speak about it too much. Because okay, because it's, it's not released yet. I'll, no, I can certainly talk about it, but it's it's one of those things that's developing, and the thing is that it's <laughs> I, I know the Taliban are not going to listen to this radio interview, so I'm kind of cool. But the thing is that it's dependent on me getting a message, being able to get online education out there through the internet. Um, two people in Afghanistan, and the reason that I'm saying that is because the kind of education that the Taliban are kind of offering is not, is really not, uh, you know, enough, in my opinion. Of course. As a writer, as a musician, or whatever, I want, you know, I want those kids to have as broad an education as possible. So I'm speaking to a few different people, but it's obviously it's very sensitive because my whole vision on doing this was, wait a minute, I don't think they're sophisticated enough, and I know they're not sophisticated enough to be like, checking Instagram and stuff and yeah. blocking specific things. They don't have any kind of IT presence, and I'm pretty certain about that. So that's just my own personal observation. Like, it's not China or Russia who have, like, sophisticated, right. you know, blocking algorithms and developers working for the government. It's not that. They don't have that for sure. So that's an opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I just have to – I'm just still trying to figure out the right way to partner yeah. with people. I'm reaching out to a few different people in, in the country, and obviously Internet's an issue there. People in the cities, most of them have internet. People outside of the cities don't. Pretty much that black and white. So that's another thing. It'll probably be something that would work for cities and not other places. But basically it involves me. Um, you know, my, before my dad passed, he actually translated that famous book, How to Meet Friends and Influence People, which was a huge deal. And he translated it in the Pashto language for like people in his, you know, in very poor places basically to read. And, um, that's in a really a groundbreaking Western book on, you know, basically getting along with people and yeah. how to be diplomatic and all that stuff. So I'm kind of con just continuing that tradition. I want to read, um, you know, things that I think are amazing, uh, give them to the audience over there who need them and give, sort of basically just expose them to, to different stuff and variety without compromising these um, fundamentalists who are kind of running things right now and putting their rubber stamp on everything. And I think, you know, I'm a big believer in being smart and not trying to just oppose people because I think if you oppose outright, um, and hey, I'm not in favor of these guys at all, but if you just oppose and you come outright and be like, I'm your enemy, then you know, you're really not going to get too far. And it's, you know, I actually want to do something to be able to help. So this is my way of kind of developing it slowly, trying to, trying to put a curriculum together that would not obviously go against their... <laughs> extremist agenda, yeah. but still in a subtle way be able to reach kids and be able to reach girls specifically. So. Yep. You're walking a little bit of a tightrope there, but you're doing it the right yeah. way. You take your time with it. This is something you think through and you research and you take your time with it. Because it is yeah, a tightrope. Exactly. You know, you don't want to... You said it. You said it because, I mean, you know, the revolution, I mean, there was a... My, my dad, I'm talking about my dad a lot. He would always quote me this Dostoevsky quote when he was saying that the revolutionaries are going to always turn on each other in the end. And, you know, you see a lot of... I used to be very, very much, like, super, super, super liberal into, like, you know, protests and stuff in my 20s. And I changed a lot because I worked for the media and I kind of seen how things work on both sides of, yeah. of the agenda. And so, you know, I don't really believe in that. 
um, radical approach anymore. It's just kind of what you say, building things slowly, doing things mm -hmm. in a very calm way, building consensus instead of trying to be against people and, uh, you know, outrage culture and all the stuff that's happening in America right now. It's just, it's, it's very boring to me. So yeah, man. It, doesn't get, it doesn't get anything done, actually. That's the biggest thing about it. Yep, I 100% agree. All right, um, let's see. Let's let's talk about what you what your goals are um, before we get to 2023, and then we'll and then we'll let everybody um, hear yeah. where they can follow you on your social media, and then we'll wrap it up. Thanks, man. That sounds great. So, what are your goals? Um, what do you want to get done before 2023? 2023. That's good. I haven't I haven't thought about it. It's funny you say that because just yesterday I was thinking, damn, it's what is it now? It's summertime. You were like, we're halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this happens every year because I'm born in March, so I look forward to my birthday in yeah. March, and then uh, I kind of check out, and then before I know it, it's like, yeah, halfway yep. through the year. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really, really raring to go with, with Mastakai, with this new project of mine, with this new name, with this new energy. Yeah. I've got a bunch of songs. Like, this uh, three-track EP is very much an introduction. Get your sort of, get people's taste buds wet to see something different, to feel Afghan music that comes from someone who's not in Afghanistan but loves the country deeply. So that's just an introduction, and it's also pretty somber and pretty chill. Most of the tracks, except for the first one, are a little bit um, kind of more calm and somber, I guess is the word I used earlier. Uh, but really, the Mastakai energy, you know, which I told you about with, in the tribe, which is like a lot of dancing and euphoric kind of musical and very much up-tempo and kind of crazy dudes with long hair who would like dance and spin around and stuff. So really, that's the energy that I'm going for, and that's the music that I'm working on right now. It's very up-tempo, it's very happy, happy, joyful, and it's, uh, you know, enjoying life and... So yeah, that's the music that I'm working on, and it's probably, who knows, it's going to be a full album, another EP, but maybe a full album if I keep going the way I'm going. Like right now, I can't stop. I'm all like, you know, I, I just got out of being sick. I had COVID, um, yeah. and then I, that's the second time that I got it, and I, I had was it really raring to go while I was in bed. I was having all these ideas and visions and realizations, and track names are coming to me, lyrics are coming to me. I'm writing everything down on post-it notes, so where I live right now looks like a complete madhouse, but it's exciting, you know, so yeah, new music is coming, and it's just a question of, right now i got to honor the spirit of that music, like I said earlier, it comes through, it just kind of channels through me, and I record it, I get it all down, and then much later on, I start to think about the shape that it's going to take, you know, titles, album covers, concepts, that all comes later, but for right now, I'm just honoring the process of... Uh, you know, all the music, it's a big blessing there coming to visit me and uh, it's not even my music, it's just uh, it comes along and I'm lucky that it comes through me and I'm like, hey, how you doing? Come on, come stay in my studio. And they chill and I mean, the songs come out somehow and at the end of it I'm like, how the hell did any of this happen? How did I do this? It's just, uh, it's, beautiful. it's kind of a beautiful miracle, you know? Yeah, I do. You're on autopilot, man. You're on autopilot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the music's driving you. You're just, you're just sitting there, right? You're just, you just. That's it. Yeah, man. That's it. Yeah. David Lynch, the famous director. I remember he was talking about painting, and he was saying something. Um, the film director, David Lynch, he was saying, what did he say? For every good hour of painting that you get in, you have to have like three hours of being there, just sitting by the canvas. <laughs> that's great. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good what thought. it is for music, man. Like, yeah. I say that it comes out effortlessly, and I don't know how the hell I did it, but 
I kind of also do because I've been doing it my whole life and I sit in the studio right. and there's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hard work. You know, yeah. Rick, you, you kind of forget about that. Even even I forget about it once you have this amazing thing that comes out of it and mm-hmm. it, it comes sometimes so quickly and you're like, well, where the hell did that come from? But really it's about honoring the process and showing up, sitting around, being there, taking yeah. the time, you know, all that stuff, all the boring Absolutely. stuff. All right, man. Well, dude, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Um, oh, man. You're man. very, very... Me too. Me too. Oh, I appreciate that. We're definitely going to get you back on um, whenever you got some, you know, your next project. I want you to come back on the show and we'll, we'll, we'll chat it up again. Um, oh, man. Thank and, you. That's really cool, Brad. I appreciate that. It was so fun talking and I would be, uh, yeah, I would be super honored to come back. Hopefully it's soon so I can get new music out soon. Yeah, man. And before we wrap it up, tell everybody out there where they can get your music and where they can follow you. Yeah, sure. I, I'm on Instagram, I believe. So Instagram is y underscore misdaq. Um, you can also YouTube me. I think Wikipedia Yusuf Misdaq y u s u f m i s d a q. So if you just Google me, you'll see a, a bunch of things. I show up on the internet, on the interweb, and I'm sp- spreading my wings, man. Y u s u f m i s d a q Yusuf Misdaq, or you could just type in Mustakai. M-A-S-T-A-K-A-I. 